One more time, we're going to do this thing. Put Pastor Jamie on the hot seat. I hope that uh, over the course of the last few weeks, you found this helpful. Hope you've been encouraged, um, if by nothing more than the fact that uh, we're, we're willing to wrestle with what you're wrestling with and seek to, to explore answers to those questions, uh, if we have not yet explored them. Um, and as Jason mentioned, uh, I hope that you're fully aware of the fact that this is not the only context that, that we can bat these things around. As I've mentioned, every week is a disclaimer before jumping into the couple of questions that we have time to answer. Uh, if we don't get to your question, it's not because it wasn't a good one. Uh, it just simply means we have some sort of time constraints to what we're trying to accomplish here. And so uh, if you want to meet up, grab coffee, uh, lunch, breakfast, dinner, a mid-afternoon snack, whatever it may be. If you want to hang out absent of food and drink, whatever. I, I would love to get together with you and explore uh, whatever questions you might have, um, as would uh, many others in this church. Uh, but for the sake of this morning, let's dive into just a couple of, of questions uh, that have been asked that I think would be uh, helpful for us to explore, uh, mainly because uh, we've heard them on more than one occasion, and, and that means that there uh, is a lot of curiosity out there, and so I think it would be helpful to dive into uh, what we're going to dive into this morning. So here we go. Question one, what is the church's strategy and plan for serving the community? Um, I, I think this is a fantastic question, especially having mentioned in this series that one of the core values for us as a church is service. I mentioned last week, I presented you with this phrase, in the same way that Jesus came as the embodiment of God to serve others and ultimately sacrifice his life for others, the church is to be the embodiment of God in the culture, serving others and sacrificing for others in a way that points to the person and work of Jesus. So the question is, how do we, how do, we do that as a church? What's the strategy and plan for seeing that happen in this community and the surrounding areas? Well, a couple of things right off the bat that I think are important to uh, bring clarity to. Number one, uh, mission and service are two different things. They're not synonymous, which is why they were explained as two different pillars last week. It's not that uh, sometimes those two don't overlap, but when you, think of, when you think of service, at least as I'm seeking to answer this question, I'm simply stripping things down to the seeing of a need and the entering into and meeting of that need. And so many of you, when we gather in this place, you serve, and you're serving brothers and sisters in Christ, and you're serving people who don't know and love and follow Jesus. And so there, there may be an evangelistic bent to service, but, but maybe not. And so I want to be clear in that regard. And then secondly, um, going back to this past fall, if you weren't with us in August and September I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen to the sermons from a series entitled Cross Point Together. Um, it was in that moment that we rolled out a strategy for gospel transformation that we're moving towards as we continue on as a church. We sought to bring some clarity to what we're after, including the various environments that we're trying to, to move you in the direction of. And my answer to this question, I share that with you, is just simply to say that we don't believe that... that um, this piece conflicts with that strategy at all. In fact, that strategy that we talked about last August creates great space for us to actually um, serve and love our community very well in, in the space between. So go back and listen to that series or come to a Meet Crosspoint lunch and we'll unpack that strategy for you there. Even if you've been a part of this church for, for years now but are going, man, I'm a little fuzzy on the strategy that we're, we're going after. Come join us for some pizza and, and we'll talk that thing out. With those things being said, how do we 
How do we go after serving the community as a church? What's the strategy and plan for seeing that happen in this community and the surrounding areas? Um, well, I think it's safe to say right off the bat that it begins with us as individuals, right? If we embrace a life of servanthood that flows forth from the gospel at work in our own hearts and lives, then the community and the surrounding area is going to benefit from us putting hands and feet to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if we can be honest for a moment, we've been honest a little bit this morning already, right? If we can be honest, that's not easy for all of us, whether it be because service is not your strongest pillar as an individual, going back to all those pillars we talked about last week, or uh, because this community is a community filled with transplants, and maybe you're coming in, you're going, I have passions, desires, and giftings, and I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what's going on in this community. I don't know how to, to connect those passions, desires, and gifting to particular opportunities that might be out there. And so that is where we want to help. And by God's grace, I think we're at a place now where, where we can move toward providing that help as we move forward. Let me show you a graphic. Uh, this may be helpful in knowing where we've come from and where we're going as a church. If you look up on that screen... I know the wording is fuzzy. I don't expect you to be able to read the words that are in smaller font, but, but I just want to give you a framework. This is what's referred to in church leadership circles as a ministry trellis. Um, a trellis, by definition, is a framework that allows a vine or a plant to grow and spread. In ministry, you oftentimes need a framework so that the vine of the gospel can spread in a particular area. Um, you'll see up there that there are four major categories uh, gather, scatter, develop, and steward. And then under that are five subcategories, which essentially make up what we call a 20-point ministry trellis. That is what we as a church are, are moving toward embracing in its fullness over the course of time. Now, here's what I think is critical to grab hold of. In a young church plant, church plants don't start off with all 20 points of the ministry trellis in place any more than Babies come out of the womb and start walking and eating solid foods overnight. Uh, if your child has done that, they are a prodigy, by the way. I don't, um, I, I've yet to meet a child that does that. But over time, a church plant, just like a human being, experiences greater maturity. And, and that's what we're moving toward as a church, greater ministry trellis maturity so that we can begin to implement more things. And so if you don't see some things that are currently happening for us as a church, it doesn't mean that we don't hold those things of high value. It just simply means that we might be at an age and a stage uh, as a young church plant that implementing those things might be difficult for us for a number of reasons. It might have to, uh, something to do with the fact that more people are required to get certain things off of the ground. And so um, where, where we are right now, we're at a um, sort of a, a two roads diverging in a yellow wood, you might say. And, and one of them just continues us on in this, in this very organic, the, the church is never going to, you know, help and come alongside of others in serving the community. And the other is, no, we really do want to help, and we think that we can move toward that and take a first step toward implementing uh, community care and outreach. And so I want to come back to the question, what is the church's strategy and plan for serving the community? Well, what we want to be careful not to do is to embrace a, a one-size-fits-all approach um, if, if you're not from the South, um, this might even be helpful to, to bring you in the know on. Um, there, there's this thing that happens in the Bible Belt where um, churches will um, 
establish sponsorships in the community as if this is a NASCAR event. We're going to slap the decal and feel really good about ourselves and from time to time do something nice and pat ourselves on the back. Um, And we believe as a church that that actually diminishes the value of the picture of the church as a body, that we actually believe that there are a variety of gifts represented in this room right now and represented by those who weren't able to be with us this morning. There are a variety of passions and desires to take those gifts and do something with them in this community and the surrounding area. Um, Also, there's a minimal margin for adding things to the calendar that are not strategic. And so we've actually attempted to to, um, do the one-size-fits-all thing to go, okay, maybe that's just a southern thing, so maybe that's how we contextualize, and it just didn't work. So... What we've realized is that if it's going to happen, uh, it's going to happen because there's a desire, an ability, and an opportunity coming together. Take those three words, a desire, ability, and an opportunity. A desire, a passion for a certain organization or cause in the community, a certain way to meet a need in this community and the surrounding area. And so I would put the question on you, what are you passionate about as it pertains to caring for and serving this community and the areas that surround it? That's desire. Then there's ability, a gift mix necessary to meet the needs of that organization or cause in the community. How has God gifted you? How can you use that gifting to serve this community and the outlying areas? And then lastly, an opportunity, an open door to actually take that desire and ability and do something with it locally in the community to put it to good use. What are the doors? The question would be with with opportunity, what are the doors that have been opened to you? In this community, schools, ministries, local businesses, opportunities to love and care for people. What does that look like? And here's the reality. Some of you have figured that out already. Some of you have have experienced the perfect marriage of desire, ability, and opportunity. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. We need you. Okay, You are a critical part of us rolling out this point of of the ministry chalice, and we can't do it without you, because what we want to do is provide a list of possible, quote-unquote, bridges to community care and service, and then get out of the way so that each person, each family can discern by God's Spirit how to engage. So when I say bridges, I'm talking about people. I'm talking about those of you who already have tracks on the ground in this community that we can establish as points of contact, you might say. Helping um, to get people who share your passion connected to what you're currently already connected to. That would be the 1.0 kind of step one in in phasing this into our ministry trellis as a church. And then what we're going to do, don't ask me beyond that because we need to see what happens. We need to see if people actually go, I'll connect to some of those bridges. And if you do, then we'll move forward from there and roll out 2.0 and see where that that takes us. We have some ideas, but we also don't want to... hold with too, too tight of a grip where this thing's going um, as we roll out the, the first part of this strategy. And so if you have a passion and a gifting that you've put to work in this community, the simplest way I can say it is contact a staff member so that we can sit down and talk with you about what it might look like to add you as one of those uh, in a list of bridges that we can actually connect people well in this community Um, in a way that helps to meet the needs of this community and the surrounding areas, ultimately pointing people to the perfect servant, Jesus. Second question, and and this is probably where we'll stop this morning based on our time, but again, if you have questions that have not been answered that you've asked, please find me and let's make that happen. Question number two, 
and this is very much in my wheelhouse. This is a fun one for me. When we finish this series, where are we going next? Books of the Bible, topics, etc. What is What is the spring and moving on into the summer going to look like for us? Well, starting next week, we're going to dive into part two of our study of the book of Hebrews. Uh, so uh, if you miss part one, have no fear. Uh, as we begin uh, next week, in the very first part of the sermon, I'm going to do one of those previously on Hebrews things, and, and we'll catch you up to speed, so, so don't panic. You, you, you've come in at a fine spot, although you can go back and listen to the messages from the fall when we were in part one of the book of Hebrews, and I think you'll be served very well by spending your time there. Our, our study of Hebrews is going to carry us all the way up to Easter, which is April 1st, and then following Easter, here we go, I wish I, I need... Nathan for a drum roll right now, but um, following Easter, all signs uh, point to us spending the remainder of the spring in the book of Esther. That's where we're going to go this spring. If you've never read the book of Esther, it would be well worth your time to do that this week or in the coming weeks. It takes the average person 30 minutes to read through the book of Esther, so you can make it through the book of Esther in less time than it takes you to watch an hour-long Netflix show or show on TV minus the commercials. You can do it really quickly. Um, one of the most fascinating books in all of the Bible, by far, hands down, of all the classes that I took in seminary as it pertains to the 66 books of the Bible, the courses offered with respect to books of the Bible, Esther was my favorite, unquestionably. There's not even close second place there. Story filled with love, betrayal, villains, heroes. It's a story where you will not see the word God mentioned one time. You won't say that, see the name Yahweh mentioned one time. Yet God's fingerprints are all over the pages of that story. So if you're a person who's going, I don't see God at work in my life, is he actually there? Great series to come join us and engage with. Um, it's a story that, you could say it this way, it's about the silent sovereignty of the unseen God. And it is an incredible story. And so trust me when I say you will not want to miss that. We're going to spend April and May in that book of the Bible. And then following our study of Esther, here's what we're batting around the idea of doing very loosely over the course of the summer. A series focused on questions about or objections to Christianity. Questions about Christianity, objections to Christianity. So we're taking uh, the series on the church and really expanding it out to all of Christianity. And what are your questions? What are objections that you have or that you're hearing that other people have? One way that you could help us to decide whether that's a good way to spend our summer is by texting in questions that you're personally wrestling with yourself or maybe you're being asked by other people. So you see up on the screen behind me, once again, that number to text in um, thoughts to because we want to hear from you. If we did a series focused on questions about Christianity and objections about Christianity. What kind of questions would you want addressed? Ball's in your court. We get enough responses to that question, we may actually do this. If we don't, we're going to step back to the whiteboard and, and explore where we need to go with our summer months, and we'll focus our efforts elsewhere. But if that sounds like something remotely appealing to you, then you have an opportunity to speak into that and get us moving in that direction as we're thinking about where to go with our summer, but definitely, regardless of, of what we do this summer, plan on Hebrews part two, and then following Easter, a journey through the book of Esther. I hope that excites you. It excites me, and if I'm excited, I'm doing most of the preaching. That means it's going to be, you know, a higher investment uh, into the storyline, so uh, I'm just a narrative guy anyway. I love preaching through narratives, so it should be a lot of fun. Um, with that being said, Again, once again for the third time, this is 
awkward to try to transition into. But we're going to move into a benediction to close out our service. Come back next week as we dive into our launch of the book of Hebrews, part two. Uh, You can go ahead and stand. The benediction this morning is simple and yet challenging. It's this. As you leave this place... May God move you to a deeper embrace of humble, self-giving love for others in this gritty, messy, particularized community of disciples. And may that love cause the watching world to declare that God and his gospel are real. Go and be the church. Love you guys.